Hi there, I'm Tom Schultz, host of Voices of Montana, an issue-oriented newsmaker radio program heard weekdays on 18 radio stations with 27 signals all across the Treasure State. Thanks for clicking on the podcast. Please subscribe and we'll do our best to keep you connected. We're also on Facebook at Voices of Montana and on the Internet at VoicesOfMontana.com, where I'd love to hear from you. Contact me at Tom at VoicesOfMontana.com. I don't know if we think about it enough, but when we look at um, all the influences that inflation has on our economy and our industries, we're looking at the building association, and, and, and right now they're probably dealing with the same things that, that you are. They want to keep housing affordable. They, they want to keep things affordable for people to move their jobs forward and their projects forward. What issues are they running into? We, you know, we talk about housing uh, an awful lot in Montana because we've seen over the last 10 years especially, but the last five, um, we are we are under-inventoried and the cost of housing has risen. What kind of role does the building industry play in that? We look at highway construction in Montana. Yes, we talk about it an awful lot because it goes on an awful lot and it's necessary in a state like ours. What has inflation done to that? We talk about those things today on Voices of Montana live from the Association of Montana Contractors uh, annual convention and trade show, show here in both. bit later on, uh, let's see, I mentioned and I sent out a note on this. Uh, Bill Langlis was going to be with us. He's a little bit under the weather, can't make it. Uh, we are going to have Kale Fisher uh, a bit later on as well. We'll talk about highway construction. And it's a pleasure to welcome Jimmy Christensen, Vice President of Government Relations for AGC. That's the Associated General Contractors of America. Good morning, Jimmy. Morning, Tom. Thanks for having me. Thank you for being here. Appreciate that. You know, um, I can start off with just a general, what is the top-of-mind stuff? Um, what is it that you guys are dealing with that you think the public needs to know or that the public can have, um, you know, play a part in, so to speak? We'll get to inflation. We'll get to housing. Uh, but what's what's on your mind? What's on your plate for all these guys, Jimmy? I think I think what's happening, what we're hearing about most from, from folks doing the work uh, around Montana and around the country is, how do I continue to find workers to do the work that we need to do to to get the job done? I don't think that's unique to necessarily the construction industry, um, but it's obviously something that's at top of mind from for everyone, regardless of industry, but especially the construction industry. Well, and um, construction is a place where you can use different levels of skilled workers as well. So, I mean, it's a great place for open entry uh, in into the industry. Where's the shortage coming from? I think the transition, if you look at decades ago, where shop classes started to get out of high schools or middle schools, and we started to cut those, and uh, to pushing the four-year college degrees. Uh, I don't know if you know this, Tom, but for every uh, dollar that the federal government puts into career and technical education, it puts uh, $5 towards a a four-year college degree. So we call that the higher education bias. And that's something that we consistently point to is not everyone needs to be uh, going to a four-year college. In fact, a lot of the folks that come into the construction industry end up coming out coming out without any debt, with their education paid for, and getting paid while they're getting educated in apprenticeship programs. So sounds like a pretty sweet deal in an environment where so many are else, others are coming out with huge college debt and then having to pay off those loans while working at um, incredibly low-paying jobs. That may have been lost previously, but I don't think it's lost now. And we see uh, what companies like RDO, uh, they go, and they're here as part of the uh, trade show as well, they go around Montana and they encourage people. And then they not only put, um, you know, put <laughs> words to it, 
but they put action to try and um, so, so, uh, to try and um, recruit those workers. So the industry is, is dealing with this problem itself. Um, how do you think they've done in that regard? I think that the industry has responded in just a phenomenal fashion. We've got the Let's Build Montana uh, campaign here in Montana, but we've seen that throughout the country with many of our similar contractor organizations taking it to the streets themselves. And it's not something that you're saying, like, let's go into high schools, but we're going to middle schools, into even elementary schools, and going year by year in those, bringing fourth graders out even to, you know, job sites to say, hey, look at this. We had a, uh, a parent uh, come up to a contractor in a site out in Washington State. They were going to look at an asphalt plant, and the thing that the parents saw, because these are usually the parents saying, you don't want to be in construction, young young man or, or daughter. Yeah, be a doctor. Yeah, be yeah. a doctor, be a lawyer. Uh, he noticed in the parking lot that the contractors had uh, and the workers had better cars than, than he drives. Yeah, how about that? He said, well, maybe there's something to this. <laughs> yeah, a fourth grader, right? Fourth, he was the chaperone to his fourth grade son and said, well, maybe there's maybe there's something I'm missing here. And and lo and behold, you know, uh, that that group that had these every year in their county, all of the fourth grade students come. Uh, it took over the course of the last 10 or 15 years or so, they actually hired their first uh, the class, the first class that came, someone in that fourth grade, is now in that working for that company. So, I mean, it's a lot of investment in time, but it pays off. Well, and that was my next question. When, when do you see? How do you see the payoff? Because um, I think it's it's a recent sort of trend, and you're you're dealing with the the issue right now. But when do you when do you see payoff here? It's it's something that pays off over time. Like these are not this is a generational investment in the workforce, and that's the the issue that we run into all the time is. We have to not only deal with the generational change now uh, and put in the investment for later, uh, but obviously the, the number one thing we hear from our contractors, I need workers now. And I know that this is a hot topic. It's been now listed in the polls as the number one issue is immigration. Mm-hmm. Um, but honestly, one of the ways we can deal with this is we have a lot of people who are here, whether whether you like it or not. Uh, they have skills. They have something to offer. But we can't hire them. Our industry can't hire them legally right? Uh, because of all the complications in, in trying to figure out that whole process in D.C. Um, that we could spend hours on, but I can tell you it's a, it's a problem. Yeah, and it's almost not worth going down as an sure. industry, I think. Uh, we could talk about it, but I, I think you guys are looking for um, more results uh, so to speak, in that, and the education effort has shifted um, at the academic level as well, at the higher education level. Which, um, well, I mean, what's your opinion of that? Has it really shifted, or is it just leaning one way, and then uh, there are forces that'll take it back? I think it's one of those things that we have to keep pushing on the the pedal to to get to get the uh, folks to say that this isn't just a fad. This isn't this isn't something that's going to end tomorrow, and we just need to respond. Uh, it's something that we're continuing to work with higher education to say, we need real data from you, too. Wh- what are people making when they come out of your schools versus how much are they making when they're coming out of construction management programs? Um, what is the job placement for these? We don't necessarily have all that information on the higher education level, and those are some of the statistics we're still looking so that uh, folks that can get in, you know, can make an educated choice on where they're going to go. 
for their future. Jimmy Christensen is with us again, Vice President of Government Relations for AGC of America. That's the Associated General Contractors of America. 27,000 construction firms uh, across the country and a network of 89 chapters on. Uh, and so you deal with a lot of issues here. Um, the industry has, uh, just kind of concluding there, the industry has responded not just with education, but they've raised their benefits. I think they've become, like a lot of other workers or, or employers, uh, flexible with their, their workforce. Uh, how has that worked out across the country in the 27,000 construction firms that you represent? Well, too often we hear from politicians talking about the minimum wage. I'll tell you the average wage in the construction industry is now well over $30 an hour. Um, people talk about prevailing wage uh, that, that's in, set in law. Uh, the vast majority of our contractors, if they tried to offer someone the prevailing wage, would not be able to find someone to work, and they've increased their wages and their benefits above those government mandates. Um, because we are in competition for workers, uh, so we are looking for ways to not only pay them more, give them better benefits, but to your point, flexibilities, job uh, opportunities. I have lots of folks, you know, you could be 25 years old and, and be a project manager on a $50 million project, uh, so think about that. Well, and you can be a 50-year-old, and, uh, and, and if you want to, maybe you've had a good career and retired already and are still looking to uh, make some money, um, do, does the industry make room for that? Oh, of course. If, you, if you're ready, able, and willing, uh, we've, we've got an opportunity for you, so absolutely. Uh, but let me ask the question that I kind of posed earlier, too, about we're dealing with housing, high cost of housing, land is a lot of that. Regulations play a part of that. I think that's something we can talk about in, in your role as Vice President of Government Affairs. But what is, um, what's the responsibility from the industry in terms of keeping housing affordable? I think so. It's a low bid industry, obviously, correct? So whenever we're working with developers, we want to find a way to make it, uh, that make the price available so that we can win the job. And winning the job means that the developer can turn over and sell those properties. Uh, so in a large part, we are looking for ways, how do we find lower diesel costs? How do we find cement or aggregates that are uh, less expensive? Um, a lot of it involves, you know, how do we get these quarries built uh, now or here as opposed to not in my backyard? You know, how do we deal with the, the you know, there's all this fights over climate change. Well, that's that's great. But it, if you want to bring in gravel from 100 miles away, there's going to be some pretty big exhaust from transporting, uh, you know, 100,000 tons worth of aggregates to, to build those parking lots and roads that you need for, for those housing units as well. So, And that's um, an issue I think maybe you guys face a lot more than others. That's sort of not in my backyard sort of thing we need. Well, uh, Kale Fisher will be joining us here in just a little bit. Uh, does a lot of construction for Riverside Construction, the highway construction. So, I mean, he can really go into this. Is it education? Is it regulation? How do you kind of move that needle? It's, it's education. It's just the reality of what you see on Twitter or on the uh, cable news or, uh, you know, talking about with your neighbors isn't necessarily the facts of what's actually happening. And just getting the, the, the reality out of, you know, what's the value there. I bet you don't know if uh, what they do when, a, when they're done with a gravel pit is they usually fill it with water, it becomes a pond or a lake, and then a lot of folks go recreation in the summer, and well, that becomes your uh, place to go jet skiing and boating or fishing. Uh, so there's a lot of benefits to, to building these uh, things that are integral to building what you ultimately want and more housing, more infrastructure. What do you want to take away from this conference from Montana? What do you want to leave behind? I think I want to leave behind just 
everyone understanding how important it is to get the message out of how critical the industry is to the, the people of Montana and reminding the people of Montana that, that the industry is here to help them improve their lives, whether that's you have an opportunity to work in it or you have an opportunity to benefit from it. And that is, I think, the key. And educating folks on that is something that we take for granted. I mean, how many times do you flush the toilet and say, man, I'm really happy I got running water? Someone was out there putting down those pipes to do it. And man, when those pipes are frozen and you can't use them or you don't have access to them, the first thing you're going to say is, oh, what happened? This seems so simple, but it's not. We take it for granted every day. Isn't that the truth? Um, what, do you, what do you want to take away? What, uh, what is Montana going to leave for Jimmy Christensen? I think Montana is going to leave for me uh, just things that I'm going to bring back to D.C. is how the regulations and the things that they're trying to do for, for basic things that the men and women in the industry here are trying to do are just getting in the way and, and don't even make sense. You know, you, you want to try to make things environmentally friendly. You want to make them, uh, you want factories built in America, but not all of them are here. How do you, how do, you do these things at the same time? Afford- I, affordable, too. Affordable, yeah. affordable, not more expensive. I, I tell folks that if you want 100% of everything, that you're going to guarantee to get 100% of nothing. Yeah. Uh, so that's the, the thing that I expect to take home a lot of stories of how interference from D.C. is really making it harder for the men and women here to do their job. Well, we're going to talk to Kale here about that as well, and we'll talk about uh, some of the things that he's uh, dealing with, too, Riverside Construction. So, Jimmy Christensen, thank you for being here. Appreciate that very much. Vice President of Government Affairs for AGC of America. I mean, uh, you're going to go do some skiing here? or uh, I'm actually going snowmobiling down in West Yellowstone, so... Uh, that's I'm, nice. I'm very excited. Oh, you'll, you, have you ever done that? I have never done oh, that. Oh, you're going to love that an awful lot. It depends on who you go with. Uh, sure. Yeah. You know. it's, a, it's a Montanan, so it'll be fine. Okay, all right. Very good. <laughs> Thanks. I appreciate that. Yeah. All Thanks, right. Bob. We've got Kale Fisher on board now, MCA board president. Uh, and uh, for this year, congratulations on that. Thank you, Tom. Yep. And Riverside Contracting uh, is a fifth-generation Montanan. Grew up here in Bozeman, went to school here as well, and then found your your labor of love, so to speak, uh, in this industry. How did you How did you get into that? How did you gravitate uh, toward construction? Uh, you know, it, my my dad actually started me in it. He uh, was a uh, manager for for Wholesome, the uh, cement plant there in in Logan. Oh, okay. So yeah. that's uh, that's how I kind of got my foot in the door and in construction and got into school and uh, spent my summer that first summer as a laborer at a ready mix plant and, and you know being from montana enjoyed being outdoors and figured this was a way to stay outdoors and and do do something i love i bet cement was pretty cool to you back then when you were growing up oh yeah yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's a good way to get dirty yeah yeah um, I, I did some cement work as well, and it was uh, it was good. It was hard. It was you know it was rewarding, um, and, and even fun in a way too. You know, so yeah. and and that's sort of it about about these jobs. Talk about you know, and and we got some issues to talk about sand and gravel regulations and things like that. But when people come up to you and they say, "Kale, I'm thinking about a uh, you know a career in construction," what do you tell them? What do you say? Well, yeah, here's why. You know, um, it it's a great great high paying uh, job whether yeah. you're a laborer, an operator, um, from the highway side, everything we do is uh, Davis-Bacon wages. Um, so currently, you're anywhere from thirty to forty dollars an hour. Significant, um, right? Right. Um, you know, it's it's a great way to 
get into a career without going to college and, you know, starting off your your life with six-figure debt. Right, right. It's a good life. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, it's just, it's fun. You know, all of us growing up, boys, girls, like playing with our Tonka trucks in the sandbox <laughs> and you know, it's just, it's the next level. <laughs> I, I kind of share this all the time. Um, one thing that um, is important, because I've done some work, is, is you you see your work. You see the progress at the end of the day. I had this friend, uh, Mike Rooney, out of Glendive, and uh, I worked for him, a single construction guy, and he would always joke after we put something up, oh, no, oh, she's all got to come down. And uh, But but that's that's part of the reward, too, isn't it? Yeah, no, it is for sure, you know, for, for not only people like myself in a project manager position, but also the guys in the field, you know, they, they take real pride in, in what they do. Um, you know, dry, Riverside works all over the state of Montana and, you know, my, my wife and, and sons can, can attest anytime we're driving down the road and we go through a project that I was a part of, they, they get to hear about it. Yeah. Right. Yeah. <laughs> the, the good stuff and the, the challenges in that project. Correct. Yeah. yeah. No, yeah. there, there's always challenges. Um, I, I, I think I've always said too, you know, the, the project I do where there's there's no issues and no challenges is probably the day I need to retire. <laughs> <laughs> because something went wrong somewhere, right. you just didn't find out <laughs> until. Yeah, that's. Uh, I appreciate that. Um, tell me, tell me about Riverside Contracting. Um, you know, how many employees do you have? Uh, how how spread out are you? So uh, Riverside is a, a, a family owned corporation uh, uh, owned by the Rayline family. Um, we operate all over the state of Montana and into Wyoming. Uh, we have two offices, one in Missoula, one in Billings. Uh, I'm based out of our office in Missoula. And, you know, during during peak construction season, we're uh, in the neighborhood of 250 to 300 employees. What kind of issues are you dealing with? And we can start off, um, Jimmy kind of talked about it a little bit, sand and gravel. Um, uh, you'll, there's, there's a lot of pushback on on where those can be built, so to speak. Maybe it's regulation, maybe it's education, but you're coming up to a point where it's becoming a, a shortage, right? Correct, yeah. yeah. Um, you know, from from Riverside's point of view, being a highway contractor and, and doing projects all over the state of Montana, um, you know, and being in a low-bid environment, you know, our cheapest option to the, to the taxpayers of the state of Montana is to find a source that is closest to the project, right? You know, the, the closer we are, the less trucking that is involved to get it to the where it needs to be on the roadway. The, the more productive we can be, the quicker we can get the project done. You know, that's all cost to the to the state. Yeah. Um, so when we go out and identify sources, we're, we're, we're constantly looking at the future project list, prospecting sources, trying to identify what's going to work for certain projects. Um, you get into areas where people, just, you know, for whatever reason, know what when other don't don't want it there. Yeah. Right? Um, then you we're, we're dealing with uh, that NIMBY mentality. Yeah, and what um, what is there? What are their objections? So when you when you uh, uh, and I know that sometimes you're looking for these even temporary uh, sand and gravel pits, um, you know, to, to get jobs done and then you recover uh maybe even reclaim the land so to speak but what what are the, what's their objections to these you know um a lot of it's perception again like the, when we go out and do these sources we're we're not going to be operating in them seven days a week 24 hours a day but that's that's the perception I right see. that's yeah. that's what they look at is, is they think that we're going to be out there um 
365 days a year, 24 hours a day, seven days a week, running gravel trucks, and, and that's just not the case. It's, you know, for what we're doing on a specific highway project, we're going to move in for, for, you know, three to four weeks crushing the aggregates and then hauling it out two to three weeks with hot plant while we're paving the project and everything's going to pack up and, and we're, we're down the road to the next project. And we're going to start reclaiming those sites, putting the topsoil back, seeding them. Because, um, you know, anything, anytime we leave them open for long periods of time, it's just additional cost to the company, right? You know, yeah. we've got premiums, bond, bonding costs, all that stuff. So it's in our best interest to close a lot of these up as quickly as possible. And, and maybe that was my next question. What can you guys do better or um, what has led to that uh, perception? And we, we see, I think we see these permanent or, or long-term gravel pits and, and some water in there. And we, you know, they're, they're probably not the most attractive thing in the world, too. Uh, so what does the industry need to do to, to respond to some of those concerns? There's the need for the long-term sources, too, right? Yeah. You know, I think gravel is... is used by everybody every day, right? Every I mean, year I go and get a truck or two of gravel for some reason. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I, I think they're just, we need to change that perception that it's, it's, it's a need that everyone uses and um, we need to coha- figure out a way to cohabitate, right? Um, you know, the, the noise, dust, air, water, you know, we're, one of the things that we're doing this year with the MCAs, we're, we're working with a, uh, environmental firm to start putting together a fact sheet that we can start distributing um, amongst our members and and get some more facts we can counter some of the misinformation that's being put out there from from the other side. And that's always a big job of uh, associations like this. Kale Fisher is the new president of the uh, MCA and uh, with Riverside Contracting and, and, uh, and Fifth Generation Montana as well. Um, so, uh, what's in your role here? Um, what what do you see? What needs to be done? Um, with by President Kale Fisher, twenty twenty four. That's a good question. You know, one of the things. Uh, so this last fall, we every year we do a, a strategic strategic planning session, right? Yeah, very. Um, some of the things that came out of that that we're going to focus on um, specifically over the next year is uh, workforce development, which which Haley will be on here after I to, to talk in detail with you about um, Haley Olson with the MCA, right? Build Montana. Yeah. yeah, with Build Montana, some of our other. Uh, pop events that we're planning, but we, she's she's been a great addition to, to the MCA, and and we've got a lot of a lot of things planned across the state with her. You know, another focus that we're going to have is in leadership development within the member companies. Yeah. You know, to get them involved with the MCA, we have a, a program called the CLC uh, Construction Leadership Council, mm-hmm. which is for up and coming leaders. Uh, we do regional events, uh, their networking and educational opportunities, professional growth opportunities, speakers, things like that, kind of like what we do at this convention here, um, geared solely for, for up-and-comers um, to get them more involved. And then, obviously, the, the, the big thing would be advocacy, right? We just got done talking about gravel. We're expecting coming into the 2025 legislature that, that that's going to be a hot-button issue. You know, some of the other things that we're, we're looking at is maintaining the uh, – Funding for infrastructure at the state level. We're behind. Yes. Terribly so. You know, that's the gas tax. Um, you know, the last session in 23, we were able to get through the, the fees for electronic vehicles. And and that's what another thing that people need to realize, too, is, you know, the, the funding for, for the infrastructure in the state, just roadways and bridges, you know, all comes from the users, right? Yeah. Um, yep. and, and and that's through the gas tax and, and now the, the EV fees. 
I got to imagine, and we don't have enough time for this. Uh, I got to imagine it's hard to make bids nowadays when you don't know if you can get materials and you don't know how much it's going to cost. Like, that's got to be tough in thirty seconds or so. Yeah, you know, especially you know with the current current regulations and, and some of these cases that are you know before the Supreme Court. You know, um, LEC's ERO at Elbow Lake. You know that was project they had to switch midstream for a new source. Um, the herd case could have. Significant, significant impact. Yeah, and that's uh, going to be unsettled for a while, too. But Correct. yet, you have to bid um, into that, into the future, kind of. And I can see how difficult that is. It, it, well, it, it's risk, right? Ah. And, and and for, for contractors, uh, uh, risk equates to, to more money. Yeah, loss, <laughs> almost. Right. Yeah. Right. Well, you know, we're, we don't want to go out of business, so, you know, we have to protect ourselves. We're going to talk about the Build Montana program. A couple of new guests here, and hello to Haley Olson. Hi, Hello. Haley. Hi. Thank you for having me. Thank you for being here. Appreciate that. You're the workforce director, so we're going to we're going to peel into some of the things that that you know. Your um, your friend and, and colleague David Smith, who's the executive director here for the MCA, standing by. Hi, David. Good morning, Tom. Great to have you here. Thank you for, for coming out. Thank you for being here. I appreciate that. I you think know. there's a lot of issues um, that our contractors um, work on that. Uh, affect the public in a lot of ways that they don't recognize. Um, so I'm, I'm, I'm glad that we have a chance to kind of bring that in. One of those things, though, that everybody's dealing with, Haley, is is finding workers. Mm-hmm. Um, I had to laugh because I, I sent David a message about, um, I was investigating something about an insulation shortage. And he asked around and said, well, the only shortage uh, around here is labor, uh, yeah. is, is what Bill said. That's exactly right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I thought that was uh, almost uh, not funny, actually. Um, <laughs> What are you guys doing about it? Um, so we have a few different workforce um, initiatives. We've got Build Montana. We've got it in Kalispell, Billings, Great Falls, and we've got about 30-plus students in those um, programs where we're just really doing everything we can with our members to expose students to opportunities in the trades, having our members talk about different careers within their companies, whether they're in the office, on the field. Um, there's really a place for everyone, so just really trying to expose um, the upcoming workforce to those different career paths so that they can see what's out there in our um, industry. So the Build Montana program then is it does what? It, it sets up classrooms where... So it's basically a class, like a two-hour class that high school seniors can take in those um, AA schools where they have a chance to run heavy equipment, go on um, vertical job sites, see just projects being done with their hands involved so that they get to be very involved, very hands-on kind of a program um, within their school day, get get course credit, get um, actually some college credit now. We have, uh, we've kind of partnered with uh, Miles Community College as well as Flathead Community College to get them credited so that they're getting some employability skills out of the deal as well. So, um, yeah, they should come out of it. Uh, if, if not going into the trades, at least having a really good perspective of the trades and being able to kind of share their story after their experience. Well, I can't help but think if, you know, when I'm in that, at that age and I'm in school and I get to lift myself up in a bucket um, or a lift or something, and, you know, I'm running, and this is the coolest thing ever. Yeah. Um, David, when did you guys start this program? Um, I, I think you felt like when you launched into it, you, you had to launch all in, which I think you did. Yeah, and uh, and and we 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 took little bites along the way to get to where we were. We didn't want to you know have a big huge unveiling. And Billings was great. The Billings School District was an amazing first partner for us to have, and they 
their Bo Bruins over there, and their their career program is is fantastic. And I think, you know, the the thing is, in talking to um, you know a sixteen or a seventeen year old about construction too, is it's not what you used to envision and what your parents envision about construction anymore. Now there's so much technology involved with construction. So um, I'll give you an example. As, uh, if you see those big road graders going down the highway while they're building the road and everything, if you look, there's a, there's a pole on the end of it, on the end of the blade, and there's a little contraption there. Well, that's a satellite feed. And so at the beginning of, of, the, of the cut, they, they plug it in on their little iPad that's right there, plug it in, and they drive. And it's one cut at the perfect grade. So, you know, and, and the, the use of drones now is amazing. Um, there are so many different things that our technology is coming into. So, you, you know, we still need people to dig ditches. That, that's still important. But we want, we want to have people who like to see accomplishments. And you, you drive by a hospital, somebody built that. Yeah. You drive on a road, somebody built that. So we want to think, find the people who like that sense of accomplishment and also don't want student loan debt. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, Haley, I bet that's a big one. Uh, of, um, thinking tech and drones, uh, that's probably getting some kids in the class right. there as well. But also that the financial side of this, too. Uh, do kids understand that um, at that age? I think they do more than we think they do. It's kind of surprising the questions that students are asking these days that I never thought to ask when I was a junior or senior in high school. They're asking, like, what are the benefits and that kind of thing? And that's a really great question for them to be asking, but it's also like we can also share our, our story of there's really great benefits in the construction industry. So um, luckily we have a good answer for them when they do ask those tough questions. Right, yeah. What, um, so you, you talked about initiatives as well. So mm-hmm. Build Montana is yep. one initiative. Are, are there other things, other ways you're approaching this labor shortage? Yeah, so we talked about our Build Montana programs are primarily in the AA schools, the bigger communities in Montana, but we also see um, the rural students of Montana. They're, they're the, the boots on the ground, the farm kids primarily, that we honestly want in our industry, and we know that they come from really good uh, – family background. They've been working the tractor since 80. Right. They know, how to wake up. Yeah. they know how to wake up early in the morning and get to work. And it's like, yeah, obviously we want those kinds of kids in our classroom. So we've been talking about how do we reach those students. The geography of Montana obviously poses a challenge when we have a, a small team, but um, we're problem solving those. We're, we're talking about doing like day events across the state. Um, we're talking about just ways to get our members in the classroom telling their story and making sure that we're exposing students and um, educating students on all the opportunities within our industry. Haley uh, Olson, uh, MCA, that's the Montana Contractors Association Workforce Director. We're also with David Smith, Executive Director of the organization. Um, so um, these, these initiatives then, um, hands-on sort of training, and do they get out into the field? Uh, uh, talk more about kind of... Um, you know, what opens their eyes yeah. about these? So our biggest goal is to get their hands on these projects because that's what this industry is about. It's a lot of, like, boots on the ground, doing the projects, uh, not sitting at a desk on a computer. Obviously, there's those components to, to every job, but um, we don't want it to be a career fair type event where it's just a 16-year-old having a conversation. That's great. There's a time and a place, but we really want to expose them to the actual experiences. We're working on 
build Montana pop-ups where they'll actually be able to do these activities, get their hands. Um, we did one in Billings earlier in September where they were fusing pipes, they were running excavators, they're actually getting to do the type of day-to-day stuff that they would do on a job site. So trying trying our best to get those experiences out across Montana, even, even on the far east side of, of the state where it's there's not a lot of population, but we still want to get there. David, are you seeing results? Yeah, and I think you know it's it's great that we have a young woman here that's promoting this because we need more women to be aware of the opportunities. And I had a contractor tell me one time, you know what? It's okay for a woman to drive a truck, you know. And in fact, you know what? I'm going to treat that woman like she's my daughter. And she's going to be well protected. She's going to be safe. And I'm going to keep an eye on her. And there better not be any monkey business among the, the guys here. So, you know, construction is a safe business. I mean, there's there's risks in everything you do. Yeah. But um, it, certainly there are higher risks in construction. So we really try to focus. Safety is an important part of the training that we do. That's the first thing they do is they have to take an OSHA 10 class. And, and they go through that. And then, you know, we do walk-arounds on the equipment before they ever get on the equipment. They learned about what the equipment is capable of doing because it can do bad things to you, too. Yeah. So the results that we're seeing are uh, hopefully kids are being safe, they're being exposed to options that are out there. Really a good point. Haley, uh, talk about that, that in getting in females interested in this. And I would think that having grown up in Montana, um, I have a lot of respect. I think our Montana females are women, very independent like uh, everybody else is in this state, and very capable. Yeah. Um, uh, are are they gravitating there? Yeah, and I think I'm also part of an organization that's, an organization that's here today, the NAWIC, National Association of Women in Construction. And I think just getting your face out there as a woman and showing young girls that there is a place for you and having them see that there are women in construction, it's, it is hard when you look out your window driving by job sites and all you see is men. It's like, oh, maybe there isn't a place for me, but... It's really important to me to share that message that there is a place for women in construction and you are just as capable as any man when you walk through the doors. And I worked um, doing just the labor last summer and someone asked me, like, well, do you have, is it, like, super hard? Like, you're a girl, you're less strong, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, anything that the men are supposed to be, like, carrying around, they're prob- it's probably too heavy for them to, like, Safety-wise, oh, they yeah. could be injured if they're carrying something that's too heavy for me to lift. Like, there's a lot of men that are smaller than me on the job site too. It's like it's not a size thing. It's just a problem-solving situation. And as long as you are a confident person and you can stand up for yourself, there's a place for you in the construction industry. I work smarter, not harder. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. Um, so at the end of our Build Montana, at the end of that semester, um, we we bring the parents and the school administrators, everybody out to see an event that we call a dig-off. And so we have the, the students, they, they've teamed up. We have Team Deer and Team Cat, and they, they, they have this competition. And we give them three minutes to see how deep of a hole they can dig with the excavator. And I'll tell you what, you know who digs the best hole? The girls. Why? Because they're meticulous, they're they 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 don't what they pay attention they, to they, detail. Yes, they do. They're, they're very you know this this. I mean, let's just face it. You know, seventeen year old boys, they get going, man. They want they want to right. dig that hole. Get that let's get that hole. Yeah. 
<laughs> we need all of it. <laughs> yeah, I love that, I'm, and I'm glad to hear that as well. And I hope um, you're educating the men to make a place for that as well, because that it's very much a you know a, a machismo sort of thing at times. Because you're you're hosting a hammer and you're you're smashing stuff around. Um, I hope the men are making yeah. place for that. As well. well, and I think it's just as important for the women. It's- young women to see women in construction as it is for young men to see women in construction too it's like you need to see that there's a place for them obviously yeah girl power yeah yeah totally <laughs> um it adds to the labor pool and right. that's the uh, the goal here right hey, i'm going to take a few minutes uh, after this break and i kind of want to walk down uh, your your trade aisle a little bit and just see what's going on with some of these exhibitors so uh uh, I think we could talk all day, uh, but let's 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 pick it up some other time when you have things moving and and build Montana is moving around the state. Sure, contact us. Yeah, yeah, we'll get you over to the billing site. Maybe someday. we can get a couple students out to talk talk to you about their experience. That'd let's, be awesome. Let's do that. That's going to be a done thing. Okay. Great. Oh wait a minute, Ryan! You got a name tag on. You got RDO on your shirt. You don't get to walk away from me now. Um, uh, thanks for. Uh, how are you doing, man? Doing great. Uh, with RDO, how do you like working there? What should the people know about what you guys do? Yeah, so RDO, we're a uh, John Deere construction and egg dealer for across the state of Montana. Uh, we got six locations and really here to just help out the industry and help grow uh, each of our customers' businesses. Into that Build Montana program? We certainly have. We saw the need for getting kids uh, started and exposed to the industry early and growing that interest and ultimately turning out uh, great workers for all the industries we're involved in. Um, what do people not know, do you think, about the construction industry? You know, I think uh, over the years it's kind of been looked at uh, a little differently than people within the industry see it. Um, I think there's some misconceptions out there, and there's excellent, excellent paying jobs within our industry and very, very smart people. So I would take a, take a hard look if you've got kids uh, growing up and, and maybe get involved and ask questions to, to people involved in the industry to really understand what it is. Oh, I appreciate that. Thanks for doing that. Thanks for being here, too. I just kind of came up on him and said, hey, hey, you want to get on the radio? And uh, not everybody really wants to do that. Hey, thanks, Ryan. Appreciate that. I'm going to come over here to Bellegarde. Um, Joe, my name is Tom Schultz. Uh, I'm, uh, I do Voices of Montana. Probably running out of time here, but tell us um, who is uh, Bellegarde and uh, why are you guys here? Well, Bellegarde is a, a, actually a brand of Old Castle. So Old Castle uh, is our parent company. Hardscape products, concrete, we're a one-stop shop for pretty much anything that has cement in it. Concrete, uh, mortars, that type of thing, hardscape, painting walls, pavers, rooftop deck, everything. What are the, uh, what's the main issue that you guys are dealing with that the public should know about? That is probably my biggest issue right now, dealing with landscape guys, uh, dealers, finding people to do the work, dollars. You appreciate that. Just stopping by real quick. That's bellguard.com for more. Thanks again for joining us for the podcast. And join us daily Monday through Friday, 9 a.m. to 10 a.m. for more Voices of Montana on local stations all across Montana.